I am sitting here with Mr. Wade Roland, an Austin. You're not an Austin native, are you? But you're, no. But you're an Austin long timer. Yeah, yeah. Over. Oops. <laughs> over over 25 years. 25 years in Austin, Texas. So I have Wade Roland here today on the episode <coughs> because he's coughing now. He's choked on his uh his water. <coughs> But I have Mr. Wade rolling on the show here to tell his little story. He's a, a musician here in Austin. Uh, <clears throat> Hello. He, he's one of the fellows that make Austin what it is. Just a great, great character, a great person. And we were just chatting and not recording, talking about ego <coughs> and how that little fucker can get into our life sometimes. But uh, I'm going to let Wade go ahead and talk and just kind of exp- just tell just tell everybody about yourself. Just tell people <clears throat> the goodness. <coughs> well, um, <coughs> all right, yes, indeed, that water. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, <coughs> we might need to restart. We want to pause it. <coughs> yeah, well, we're going to pause. The, 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 we are back. All right, so. Yeah, I just coughed one lung out. <laughs> so I actually uh, was born in Wyoming, um, Sheridan, Wyoming, and uh, lived in Wyoming until I was three. Um, first in Sheridan, where both of my parents were teaching um, uh, grade school, and then uh, my dad got a job at a ranch, um, uh, managing a ranch for this um, developer named Peter Kiewit was apparently like international like developer guy oh wow okay so and he had a little ranch that he bought in Parkman Wyoming and um, um, you know it was kind of a little pet project for him but anyway so I uh, lived in Parkman Wyoming until I was about four or five and then moved to Billings, Montana. That's where I grew up. That's where you grew up, yeah. So, you know, all through school in Billings and uh, uh, tried college for one year. I, after high school, I stayed out of college for a year and worked and then uh, decided to go back to college and I was going to get an accountant. I was going to get a degree in accounting. Uh-huh. <laughs> business degree I'm like the least mathematical person (laughs) you've ever met before in my life but you know I'd like I'd given up the dream of playing music because of course in high school I wanted to be a rock star or an actor and uh, uh, but I got kicked out of band (laughs) when I was in junior high even though I was always first chair trombone player but I was just too disruptive I couldn't keep my so mouth fun. shut I played trombone too oh, awesome. and I always wanted to play drums oh my god oh yeah yeah those but, guys had the best spastic instruments yes I would have I would have gotten kicked out of band immediately yeah. if they had handed me a drum oh my god <laughs> I, I was just 
I just couldn't, like, my mind wanders so bad. And, like, I get to the point where when I was at grade school, basically, I really kind of would forget that I was in class even. Like, I just start... The, the, what is that? What they classify as ADD these days? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I was, was the same. Way. I was so ADD, yeah, man. Me too. Like, uh, one day I lit a match and I was like, "What the? F-? You know, like, <laughs> what am I doing? I just lit a match. You know, I'm in fifth grade, fourth grade, and I'm just like, oh, I've got these matches. I'm like, oh shit, I'm in class. Like, and you know, immediately like, what are you doing? I don't know. Like, literally, I didn't know. It's, I it's, did not yeah, know. I can relate because my mind would just wander. Yeah. All yeah. the time. Oh it even does now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, at least it's not as obvious anymore. Well, yeah, we're not as... <laughs> we're not as we don't see the stupid things. Yeah, exactly. I'm not We've as, learned our lessons. I'm young. I'm not, not young and completely naive. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so... Um, uh, yeah, went through school in Billings, um, uh, did all the drama, acting, music stuff that I could possibly do, chorus, band. But yeah, and I mean, I, I loved band, I loved my teacher, my parents were both teachers, they knew the teachers that were teaching me, yeah. like, I'd see them at my house, like, I had no chip on my shoulder about them necessarily until of course the hormones kicked in right <laughs> anybody who was right had any gray hair i had a problem with yes but um you know i i truly wanted to be a good student i just couldn't hold it down no i that's that was yeah, the same way i felt. my brain was just but i feel if i went back to right. now yeah. to elementary school junior high and high school i could probably ace it because my attention to details i've we've learned but it in my case, maybe in the hard way of learning. We yeah. just weren't on the same. But that's what happened, because basically, uh, by the time I finally sincerely tried to co- try college, I was 26 or 7. Mm. So, um, I did try the one in, you know, like, the one I did in Billings at the Eastern Montana College, which is now the University of Montana Billings. Oh. Um or Montana State University, one of the two, anyway. Um, uh, and, yeah, was trying to be an accountant because, like I said, yeah, I decided, like, oh, my God, I'm too, I'm too impractical of a person to actually be able to think that I'm going to be able to try to be an actor and, like, maintain... Right. Maintain a roof over my head. Right. Be homeless in two seconds. <laughs> right. Like, right. You know. Right. We never. Like, put that I'm going to do a thing that I don't make any money in. I'm going to throw my entire self into it, and I'm not going to pay any attention to whether or not I can pay my bills, and reality will hit. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, and I can't be a burden on my family this way. So I, uh, you know, so I decided accounting, and you know, flunked out. Like I flunked like literally flunked accounting, uh, flunked a couple other classes, um, and so quit and started selling stereos and waiting tables and, you know, just being in my twenties. Yep. Decided to get out of Billings, moved to Phoenix, Arizona, uh, 
we, we do have a lot of Phoenix yeah. listeners. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> awesome. So I was in Phoenix, Arizona. Got a job at Jerry's Audio for Your Car on Camelback Road, which is a lovely place. And uh, was selling stereos to people with Porsches and, you know, like the ones that they'd ordered from Germany because they only (laughs) did this color in Germany or whatever, you know, like intense people and selling stereos that like I couldn't, I couldn't afford the cheapest one in there, you know, like, and I was a horrible salesman anyway, but at least I could talk about the equipment and stuff. And, uh, yeah. Um, and then basically decided that the other thing that I knew that I could probably do, given my skills and personality, was teach. And I'd been resisting that because my parents were both teachers. Yeah. And, you know, I heard all the horror stories about parents and how, how the administration treats teachers and, you know, the intense hours and zero pay and just, you know, like, right, just right. it's a... Oh. It's really, really tough job. No, I have a sister that's been a teacher. <laughs> it's murder. Yeah. And, uh, but I'm like, well, Jesus, really, that's what I'm, that's what I'm skilled for, you know, in terms of practical stuff. Like, other than that, I'm like making art and, you know, who right. cares about that? Yeah. That's so, <laughs> like... I will act for you. I will be funny, you know. And and, uh, and I didn't really have a sort of thing that I did yet. I wasn't a very good musician. I didn't practice enough. I was too ADD to right. like, and not ADD enough, both either and I don't sure. <laughs> but you know, to be obsessive enough to like just sit there and do it for twelve hours, you know, every right. day like my right. buddy Brooks did. And. Uh, so I decided to go to college finally. And uh, um, my uncle was living in Boston. And he had just accepted a position in Spokane, Washington. So he was moving his whole family from Boston to Spokane. But they had like three months. So he's like, hey, come stay with us. We've got enough room. And you can, you know, you know, we'll be doing all this stuff. But, you know. We'll at least have a place for you to land until you get yourself established. And and the education system was, you know, set up um, uh, sympathetic for a person in my kind of situation. You know, my parents are both teachers. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have money laid aside for college for, yeah. you know, certainly the third child. I was the youngest of three. Oh, okay. And so, you know, they may have had some money laid aside for the... They weren't Hollywood actors that could pay for you to go to college. Exactly, or bribe bribe people to make sure that I could, you know, have a... See, people, this this whole podcast is the real world. (laughs) It's the real world. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I just, you know, I had, uh, uh, you know, there wasn't any college money, so um, Massachusetts was very... um, they had great schools, and uh, um, and once you were a resident, you know the the prices were really really 
super reasonable. Oh, nice. So I um, uh, went to Boston. I uh, uh, started working at a place called Legal Seafood in uh, Kendall Square, right right across from MIT. And uh, uh, starting, you know, uh, serving fish in, in a very, very busy restaurant that was popular enough and had actually been on USA Today show or oh, wow. all this stuff and 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 it had been uh, grown into kind of a business that like like I waited on um, like it was one of those things where you had your little section that you took orders from but like everybody ran the food out and everything so okay. You could conceivably, you know, like do most of the work at somebody else's table, but they were doing most of the work on yours in the meantime. So it was just this weird situation that just basically they wanted to make sure that the food got out to the table as soon as it was cooked. Right, right. So it was fresh, hot, and cooked. Sounds like Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of kooky place. Like, like, like yeah, yeah. Like, you know, personality was less important in the right staff there. Like, Efficiency. Yeah, yeah. And the food was really good. But, like, I like I showed up at a table. It was Julia Childs and wow. her husband. Like, wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm out of there. Yeah, Peter Gabriel actually took his order like the day after I saw him on the So Tour. Very nice. That was cool. Yeah. (laughs) Wang Chung, I waited on Wang Chang and Entourage. Just weird. Anyway, um, so did that for long enough to get residency. Saved up ten grand. Waiting tables. Yeah. Um, And. started at the University of Massachusetts in Boston and was going to get an English degree so I could be an English teacher. Very nice. But I loved it, and I was finally ready for all the learning. Like, I was old enough to have... Appreciate. And also, I'd had my huevos. (laughs) 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 Like, my brain wasn't just flying around all the time. I was like... Wow, I can pay attention to stuff now. Yeah. I'm in my mid-twenties now. <clears throat> so, I got a 3.85 overall GPA. Wow. Yeah. So, I was graduated summa cum laude after being like a solid C student wow. at best. And, and, you know, I thought I was... Um, uh, doing a podcast, darling. Oh, hey, what's your shirt? What's going on? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, uh, so, yeah, it started writing and reading and, uh, like just it, it blew up in my brain so uh, yeah. uh, mine i felt that way more in my early 30s where i okay. could focus on stuff yes. more yes yes 
that's when I really started reading and just ex- yes. and enjoying and absorbing stuff. Before that, I I never finished books, but after that, it was yeah. just like just I wanted information because it was, I guess it was on our terms in a way. Like yes, I was on the search. I wasn't being fed things. Right. Exactly. Me yeah. too. That's good ex- explanation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And yeah, I was just and I and I had been an avid reader before, but it was entertainment okay. reading. Reading. Yeah, you know, I you know, I read novels like crazy. Oh wow, okay. When I was a kid, and that was an escape for me. That was okay. kind of a it was a mechanism. Uh, uh, and yes, and actually, um, of note, uh, um, yeah, that was reading and sort of literature was oh, the way I escaped as a kid uh, when I was confused and like yeah, I didn't get it. My parents didn't get me like. Right. You know, my peers didn't really get me. I was a weird kid. Like, I was a weirdo. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, you know, I was just spazzy and skinny and strange looking and, like, just strange in general. Like, I was just, I really didn't understand uh, social interaction yet. And I was yeah. you know, socially awkward as a, as, a, as a kid. And, uh, uh, so yeah, when I was like, oh fuck, I don't want to go outside. Like, yeah, but I would like I'd read Charles Dickens. Like, See, where I was the opposite. I wanted to go outside and boss all the kids around <laughs> and make them play what I wanted to play. Yes. So I, I had more. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. I, I was afraid of you, man. I, I, well, I, but I never. I wasn't a violent kid. No, no, yeah. I was you know, just, it was like, just more I just my just my it. convincing. I could convince everybody like, well, we're gonna play it this way, or we're yeah. gonna do it this way, yeah. and right. That was just my thing. Otherwise, yeah. I just ran around and played sports, uh, not organized, right. but just in the neighborhood to get my energy out. Where you right. read a book or something. Oh my god. But then, I would also play records from song one to song in over and over and just loved yeah. music and drums in particular in my yes head. yes so, yeah you know so that's yeah. the kind of similarities but, but yes and i actually i started like in high school when <coughs> I, I i went away from the reading a bit in high school mm-hmm. And that's when the music started. You got into doing some music, yeah. Yeah, and like, yeah, I would put the headphones on and listen to The Wall. You oh, know, yeah. Three times in a row. Oh, yeah. I'd fall asleep to it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, uh, uh... Where are we at now? Here in Boston. Uh, so, yeah, okay, so I'm in Boston. Um, 3.8 yeah. GPA. Um, and was certainly listening to music but it's like yeah you know i'm not an artist anymore but maybe a writer mm. maybe i'm a writer and and then i was doing like i yeah i couldn't believe how, how good i was doing at school the only thing i did poorly at the only reason i had 385 was math like uh. i i barely and I was in this honors program. I had to get higher than a C, or I had to get at least a C in algebra. And okay. I had to take it three times. Yeah, I, I, to this day, <laughs> I think I'm at a third grade level. When my kids say, can you help me with math? It's no, I can't. 
<laughs> ask the neighbor. For God's yeah, sake. you got better luck asking the dog than asking <laughs> exactly any random people. That's what calculators are for. <laughs> exactly. That's what Google's for. Oh my God. Yeah, I just I just could not get it. So yeah, yeah accounting. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I might as well have just shot myself. Uh. And then basically people started saying, like, wow, well, you should maybe go to graduate school. And and I had thrown myself into uh, the university. And I'd also, um, uh, after putting down the books and after putting down music as the distraction, uh, I found alcohol as a good distraction. Uh, uh, in the early day, uh, like in my teens and uh, in high school, started drinking, yeah. Yeah. and then immediately just like wanted to do that as often as I possibly could, mm-hmm. and ended up like all my other like fuck ups. Basically, I did it so I couldn't not do things just out in the open, like. <laughs> Like, every time I ever did anything wrong, like, when I was in sixth grade, a friend of mine decided it would be a good idea to throw rocks at cars as, you know, a pastime on our way home from school. Mm -hmm. Like, did it twice, got arrested. Like, literally, I couldn't even throw a rock (laughs) at a car without getting arrested. I just, I couldn't not just get caught at everything. So... You know, started coming home drunk, got caught every single time. Oh, wow. So my parents would, <laughs> basically decided I was an alcoholic. Turns out they were right. Didn't know that at the time. Right. So, uh, you know, I was convinced uh, convinced to go ahead and stop drinking, actually, when I was 17. Oh, so okay. in high school, I quit drinking. Uh and was sober, didn't drink for five years, um, basically through the uh, last year, two years in high school, and then, uh, and then my first try at college, and then uh, uh, a little ways into the Phoenix trip. Uh, so when you were in Boston, no, you you weren't drinking then. Exactly. So oh, okay. So while I was in Phoenix, I t- started drinking for like three months or six months and immediately was like oh jesus this is yeah i really wasn't supposed to be doing this right right yeah yeah so i quit again um moved to boston and uh and so throughout the my entire education experience my higher education experience i didn't drink or do any drugs at all no no weed no nothing right so um, so yeah, I had all the energy and all the time and all the attention in the world. So I was the editor of the school literary magazine. I was, um, cause you had to keep yourself busy. Well, I mean, yeah, one, it's fun and amazing what you did, yeah, yeah. but in, a, in the mind of like ADD, you're ADHD, you got to keep yourself busy. I've got, I've got all this brain space. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's fill it up. That's cool. I wrote for the newspaper. I organized poetry readings. I was writing, you know, I did a double honors. 
I did an honors degree in both literature and creative writing, so I had to do two theses mm-hmm. all, all at the same time, and I was editing the magazine, and like I was, I had so many uh, things going on, and yeah, and then I started like getting sorts of you know accolades and awards and stuff for the things I was doing. So I had this amazing resume as a student all of a sudden after being just barely able to pay attention in class yeah. when I was a kid. And so I'm like, hell yes, I want to be a college professor. That's what I want to do. Like, I want to yeah. be part of this. Like, And I was at an incredible school, actually. I lucked into uh, the University of Massachusetts in Boston. Yeah. It's a little satellite campus. It used to be, it had been Boston State College, and they took it up to university status in the late 60s, right um, basically in the midst of the Vietnam War crisis. So part of the university, there was an annex to the university that was called the Joiner Center for um, War and Social Consequences that was established there. So they had this think tank basically about war critique and uh, so anybody who was a Vietnam era vet like could go there free okay and so we had like I had like 85 year old ladies and you know a dude who every time somebody dropped a book he'd hit the floor yeah. Like, you know, we yeah. had all kinds of people in these classes. Yeah. And it was also this sort of weird haven for all the intellectual misfits from Boston. Okay. We've got MIT, we've got Harvard, we've got Rutgers, oh, yeah. we've got, or not Rutgers, Tufts, um, BU, Boston College, Northeastern, like, top flight schools like all blobbed into this small small area so all the teachers that you know didn't got tired of not being able to teach the classes they really wanted to teach and they didn't really care whether they got all the academic accolades or the you know the people who were really passionate about teaching and passionate about teaching what they wanted to teach ended up at the University of Massachusetts in Boston. So in the honors program, I got to get, I got classes from like one of the editors of the Riverside Chaucer. Like my poetry professor's Pulitzer Prize winning. Oh, wow. Yeah. And now the Poet Laureate of of, um, Somerville, Massachusetts. Wow. Um, uh, the ex, like my, um, I took a class called Mozart in Vienna <laughs> from the guy who like basically is, you know, one of the world standards for scholarship of, uh, Mozart's history and life and, uh, on a, I guess, I don't know what they call the music appreciation, like something, uh, music, music historian. Okay. So like like these, and the fascinating class I took a class called uh, Jesus, Socrates, and Buddha, and it was a comparative study of the three figures. Yeah. Like. 
<laughs> like, but but that's the kind of stuff that would excite my brain and be like, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I just loved every minute. Yeah, of it. yeah, that's the stuff that enlightens me. Like, let's hear it. Yeah, you know? yeah, and they were passionate about it, and mm. you could tell because and and you could tell you could it wasn't perceptible, but the fact that they loved and cared about the material so much. And, you know, obviously each one of them were the expert in their specific, you know, thing, which is true of any graduate student, uh, school professor. But, you know, then you're teaching graduate students, not right, right. undergraduate students. a very different experience. I can only imagine, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So I came out of that with this, you know, like, wow, higher education, that's it. I want to be a professor. And managed to um, convince the University of Texas uh, to bring me to Austin to get a PhD in English. Um, and I was going to specialize in the study of contemporary Native American literature and, uh, and rhetoric writing. And... Uh, and by this time, I was in a committed relationship. Uh, weren't going to get married, but uh, you know, didn't want to have children. weren't going to get married. Uh, she's super smart, you know, Roman Catholic girl uh, or Irish Catholic girl. <laughs> I've been watching The Sopranos. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Irish Catholic girl and. Uh, um, she's a, already a nurse practitioner when I met her she was working at Planned Parenthood and at an AIDS clinic like she was cooler than any girl I'd ever seen in the world as far as I was concerned right. freckle face redhead Hannah it turns out but redhead <laughs> she looked great cute as a button yeah I fell deeply in love with her and uh, um, and yeah just the idea of like this um, I know I was yeah in the love with the idea of like this activist you know like we're learning new you know right you know we're smart right <laughs> and, right and we give a shit and you know like i was super passionate about like you know i loved the beats even though i couldn't read them i loved how just revolutionary they were you know like if i'd been an art historian i would have loved bauhaus even though like you can't right <laughs> you know you know some of it's inscrutable but that's the point you know it's right. like and that's just exciting the modernists in literature, like the disinfectant, how disin, disaffected they were after World War One, and like the first use of mass weapons of mass destruction, and you know, seeing just fifty guys just blow up, right, like, right, holy right. fuck, like what, the, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, what is this world, man, like you know, and I was just I. I, I I just got really imbued with that sort of revolutionary spirit of 
of these movements, these times of, in our history. And, you know, of course, I've got this hammer <laughs> learning about revolutions, and of course I'm sure that we're in one, which of course we are. Um, perpetual revolution, it turns yeah. out. Yeah, yes. And so, yeah, it's good to have those tools and to and to want to move forward like that. Um, but it turns out with the ADD, and also it turned out that, you know, even though um, my ex-wife is a very, very, you know, she's a compassionate, wonderful, she's a freaking nurse for God's sake, you know. You've right. got to have a heart to be able yeah, to do exactly. that, you know. No, exactly. She ended up going on to get her, uh, I'm pretty sure she's, I think she finished her PhD in anthropology. Oh, wow. Um, but got a master's at least, for sure. Um and, you know, published a book that condemns Walmart. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it's apparently it's been cited a good bit. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, uh, and, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, fights the good fight. But, you know, likes to argue. And I'm like, it, it was just one of those. Right, right. Just philosophical or personality conflict. It was just couldn't be resolved in that marriage. So that was very stressful, going through that with yeah. her, poor her too. That was all here in Austin? All here in Austin. Yeah. <clears throat> going through, you know, I was teaching, I had a teaching fellowship, so I was, you know, grading papers along with the full-time uh, uh, school. Wow. And the marriage, we bought a house, you know, adopted dogs, you know, I took up oil painting, you know, like... Right. My ADD brain was stuffing my schedule with stuff, right. but I didn't realize, like, no, you've got way too much to do now. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, the Tends. thing that I hated, the one thing I didn't want to do was do this reading. The, and it's just that specialized, hyper-philosophical, um, like, graduates-level reading just like as much as I'd love to read my entire life mind-boggling yeah I just could not get through that stuff yeah like I it was believe me I have simple books like that (laughs) (laughs) I was like you know I can read fucking Chaucer in the original language and I cannot read this wow like it has no story to hold me it's all abstract thoughts, and it's all comparing abstract thoughts with other abstract thoughts that are so similar that you may lose track of which thought you're trying to think. You know, yeah. and, oh God, like I just yeah, that, wouldn't, that like, wouldn't fly for me. Oh my Lord, it was just, and I I tried for six years to be wow. a pretend like I could be a graduate student, and I really. If I had bailed out at two years with my gra- with my master's degree, for one thing, I wouldn't be seventy thousand dollars in debt. Right, right. But uh, isn't that the American dream? Yeah, it is the American dream. <laughs> but yeah, I would have, and uh, you know, uh, and back to the ego. How could I fail? Right, 
Right. Then you had high standards for yourself and yeah, your ego had high standards. I could not possibly fail. I could, you know, I'd already set up all these reasons why I couldn't possibly fail, you know. Being the first PhD in both sides of the family, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Because. Well, yeah. you know, I wanted to be king of the family. I don't know. What the fuck am I all trying to do? Hey, man, I was always trying to prove myself, to, and I still don't know what I was trying to prove myself for or who or what. <laughs> like, like, they're going to, like, build a statue or, yeah. you know, have a, you know, our favorite relative day. You know, like, seriously. Yeah. Like, what the hell was I trying to do to kill myself to do this, you know? Right. And, you know, it's putting enormous strain on our marriage so you know whatever chance we may have had I certainly compromised by giving myself an impossible task to do in front of my wife who is smart enough to see quit school Wade right right (laughs) quit school like get your head out of your ass and be Wade not whoever the freak you're trying to be right now you know but I couldn't see that Um, and uh, yeah I drove myself like literally crazy Um, ended up psychiatrist uh, Mm. counseling all sorts of medications Mm. got all kinds of diagnoses which you know were accurate enough in terms of the symptoms I was displaying, but um, the reality was is that I was just so stressed out that my right. brain chemistry chemistry was making me manic depressive. As yeah. far as you know, like yeah, I was having these manic episodes where I was just my behavior. I went to my good friend's wedding. Um, was our, my roommate while I was uh, for the bulk of the time I was in uh, Boston so m- me my brother um, his friend James that he'd met in the Navy who became my good friend James and um, at first my good friend uh, Brooks Clark um, my uh, actually one of my oldest acquaintances in life um, he was born in Sheridan, uh, Sheridan, Wyoming, mm. where I was born, oh, wow. and we met each other there, um, and then ended up, you know, the families meeting back uh, again in Billings. But anyway, um, so we all lived together in this house because James was going, had gotten into um, school at Harvard Law where he intended with Barack Obama. <laughs> 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 he was one class behind Barack oh, Obama. Wow. Uh, my brother had gotten into Boston University. He just finished his stint in the Navy. He had a college degree already from um, uh, Tacoma in music, um, mm. uh, choral and music education. So, uh, But he wanted to get a degree in writing. So he got into Boston University's um, uh, Master's of Fine Arts program. So he was going to BU. I was going to UMass Boston. And Brooks is a guitar god, and he wanted to come to Boston to get in some bands. And uh, uh, so we're in this, living in this amazing house anyway. 
but James, my good friend, got married. And uh, uh, they had this lovely wedding. Um, and yeah, it's, it turns out James's brother, um, <laughs> yeah, James's brother, uh, was the caddy in Caddyshack. So, um, Danny, yes, Danny, Danny Noonan, yes. Danny Noonan. So he played Danny Noonan. Michael O'Keefe is the actor, and so his little brother James O'Keefe was my roommate in college. And so, when James got married, Michael was married to Bonnie Raitt. Oh wow! So oh, I wow. got to sit and like have um, dinner while we were, you know, at the reception or whatever. With James, <laughs> James's brother Michael and his wife Bonnie Raitt, oh, and got to like sit there and talk with her for a good half an hour or so. It was lovely. She's of course, as you might imagine, just a fantastic cool. woman. Yeah, just good to know. Yeah, I I'd marry her. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, at his wedding, like I had this manic episode. I was like, I was. Um, playing volleyball, or we were playing badminton, or no, volleyball. It was volleyball, and I insisted on reading in a, a stanza of poetry before every serve, and then I did a, a staged reading of Bazooka Joe um, uh, bubblegum comics, <laughs> where I was doing <laughs> dr- dramatic reinterpretations yeah. of the cartoons, including dropping my pants at one time. <laughs> Yeah, in front of like aunts and uncles, and yeah, uh, yeah. I climbed a tree after a frisbee or something like death defying all in one day. Like, yeah, I hadn't quite hit my stride while I was talking to Bonnie, thank goodness, <laughs> right? But I made an impression later in the evening, uh-huh. and yeah, I wasn't even drinking, like, I was just. Stressed out. Yeah, that was just my brain was just like, I'm the king of the world. I'm the worst thing in the world. I'm the king of the world. <laughs> worst thing in the world. Yeah. Uh. So. Um. Amir in graduate school, like flailing, like just flailing and flaming out. Um. Uh, ended up. Uh, uh, yeah, basically just, I had a nervous breakdown pretty much. Like my behavior was so bizarre. Like I was so inappropriate in class. Like I trying to be the cool guy and talk about how I was going through marriage problems in class. Like seriously, like just. Yeah, I was nuts. I was nuts. And uh, <laughs> I think we can all confess that in some <laughs> yeah. parts of our life. And we look back and go, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I took up oil painting one time when I was like, I had a bagel. Like, <laughs> and uh, I showed up in class and, you know, to get a laugh, I put some paint in the bagel and took a bite. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. Yeah, just. 
Fifth grade, okay. Fifth grade, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm a 20, I was a, I was 30-something at that point. Yeah. yeah. Like, come on, like, seriously. Nah, but, yeah, but it's the brain. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was it's nuts. Telling I us. was nuts. I was nuts. Yeah. Yeah, basically my brain was like, please, kids, tell somebody how nuts this guy is. Right. Get him out of here. <laughs> so I ended up, yeah, I ended up, like, flaming out and uh, uh, quitting school. Like, it was like, all right, yeah. I give up, I give up, I give up. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and at that point, uh, enough damage had been done in the marriage and everything. Uh, uh, like, thank goodness there wasn't like any infidelity or anything like that. Or it was just, it was just broken. Yeah. Both oh, I, yeah, I can only imagine. And yeah, so just gave up on that at the same time. It's like, all right, all right, I just need to, <coughs> like, I Flush just need to system and... reset. Yeah, reset. And, and I, and I kind of, like, I didn't really want to go through my wife's recovery from whatever she needed to recover from, and I didn't need her to be the custodian of my recovery either, because I knew how she... You know, she's probably good at nursing other people. But she oh yeah, wasn't the best nurse of me. Right. And uh, yeah, she was too pissed off at me, and I don't blame her. Um, but uh, um, and I knew that basically I needed to give up this whole idea of trying to be practical uh, in this world because I'm not a practical person. Right. <laughs> I'm not a. I'm a pragmatist in some ways, but um, like my life, I don't live it in a practical manner at all. And I don't know why. I just don't, I can't make decisions based on anything that like makes any sense other than like this sort of, I realized even though I couldn't admit it at that point, I wanted to become an artist. I yeah. wanted to become an artist. Yeah. And I knew I wasn't one yet. I knew I needed to do a lot of work. And, yeah. and why put my ex-wife through that? You know, this very, very practical woman. <laughs> I already thought I was nuts for good reason. Right. <laughs> you know, like, hey, for... I'm going to be nuttier. Right. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, you know, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I cut, cut myself loose and uh, decided I wanted to do film. So, and I'd done enough writing. I thought maybe able to like write screenplays or something I'd done enough acting when I was younger and knew that I uh, had you know I'd been told enough that I'd had that talent to think that yeah. I might yeah so I started kind of moving in that direction and uh, um, but you know was really sort of picking up the pieces because I really had like phew, I'd gone off the rails right and uh, you know I wasn't capable of like hey I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna be a screenwriter 
You know, have anybody have an idea that they need? Right. Realize? Yeah, I totally know. Yeah, I was like, like, I needed. To your mind's it. telling you you're going to give a hundred percent. In reality, you're going to give twenty or thirty. Yeah, and for a good while, basically, I was just like working to stay alive and yeah. become somebody. You know, like become more of, or try to figure out what, like, this next stage of me was going to be. Yeah. Know? So you know, I like looked at half price books for a minute and mm-hmm. you know uh, and then ended up getting a job bouncer at uh, Expose the strip club down south mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, um, and about the same time I was living with my cousin who actually was uh, the son of the uncle who I lived with in Boston right before oh okay he like so it just so happened that Andrew was getting a degree in film oh, wow. at the University of Texas and he was oh, wow. finishing his last year and you know he had uh, he was living near campus and had a room that I could sleep in when I separated from my wife so I lived with my cousin and you know started you know finding out a little bit of film kind of stuff and uh, uh, meeting some people ended up meeting this group of Mexican kids uh, who you know about half of them were film students and you know other were just you know getting some getting some classes in the US so that they could you know Oh, yeah. Um, bring them back to Mexico and get into a better um, yeah. uh, degree program down there. And, you know, these are wealthy kids uh, from, you know, wealthy, wealthy families. And, you know, but they're in college. So, you know, there's, it wasn't like a who's who as far as I right. know. It was just a bunch of kids. Right, right. And they're my cousin's friends. So, you know, I, I meet them, you know, I, of course, to them, I'm like, who the hell is this guy? I had super long hair, <laughs> um, and, you know, I was a bouncer at this strip club, and, you know, like, I was, <laughs> like, you know, I, I was a freaking rock star as far as they were concerned, and, um, and at this point, I'd started to party again. So I was like, okay, I've, you know, I've been sober at that point. I had done almost 15 years by the time I quit graduate school. Wow. And like, I was like, okay, I have never felt more miserable in my life than I did just recently. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I was dead sober. Um, they're trying to give me drugs to manipulate my serotonin. Mm-hmm. Like, why aren't I just doing that myself? Um, and I was at first like, well, I won't drink. Um, but um, I'll smoke weed. That's okay. And uh, the actual drug that I took to break my my dry spell was a tab of X. Oh. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> at some crazy party on west campus at, at, at UT and I was just like 
<laughs> this is the thing. Like, and I mean, I didn't quite understand what I learned that night, but it was definitely a cathartic experience after being having been so desperately miserable yeah. in school. It yeah. was like suddenly like the love for the world, the love for everything, you know, the self-acceptance, yeah. you know, the just sort of like, I like, wow. Yeah. It just turned into this like, oh my Lord, you know. It's like letting everything go. Turned of. a corner, yeah, yeah of course. And then nice. smoked a little bit of weed for the first time in 15 years, so I couldn't not just tell everybody how high I was the entire night, right. which was pretty much the extent of my conversation for the next <laughs> eight hours of just telling people what stage of fucked up I was at that moment. <laughs> it was fascinating, fascinating material. I'm so stoned. This is what's happening. Blah, blah, yeah. yeah. I always tell away. people, I am so fucked up. Are you fucked up, too? You know? I'm sorry, I can't form a sentence, but... I'm really, I'm on X right now, man. <laughs> so anyway, so um, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, become a Hollywood actor, or meet anybody, even though I did uh, open the door for the Owen, or the the uh, Owen, the Wilson brothers, all the Wilson brothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I met I met more people than I realized down at that place, um, but uh, uh, um, one of the Mexican guys that I'd met uh, was setting up a business where uh, some uncle of his had a melon plantation in mm-hmm. northern Mexico in this like prime melon-growing region in the world. Um, so his uncle had a little melon plantation, and this kid had done his, his college thesis about um, exporting melons from this plantation to uh, high dollar markets. So there's these specialty markets in Spain and in Japan. And if you can like raise these fruit to their standards, they will pay like insane amounts of money for these melons. But you know, you've got to have a super clean farm and organic. and And you know, um so Ramiro found out that I had, you know, fifteen grand basically left over from the the sale of the house mm-hmm. that I had with my wife. And and uh, a nothing to lose attitude or <laughs> and, <laughs> and he did and he invited me uh, to cut me in on this melon business. And so I moved to Mexico for a year. Oh, wow. 
<laughs> try and help my friend Ramiro set up this business. And, you know, basically I was just an American dude that they could show to people. Right. Who were giving them licenses and stuff. Right. And, uh, um, they didn't really tell me. They should have told me a little more. But I think they were afraid that I'd, like, wouldn't be in on just being sort of a figurehead sort of thing. But, uh, um, I'd be like, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know anything about melons. If this is what I can do, I'm down. <laughs> yeah. But, um, uh, what I didn't know and, you know, found out much later after being there for a good while was that Ramiro's uncle was, uh, this guy had won this plantation in a card game. Mm. (laughs) So he didn't know shit about melon Uh. anything. And, uh, and when Ramiro actually presented this proposal to him, and I, of course, I didn't know that Ramiro hadn't thoroughly, like, informed his uncle of his plans, like, to the T of, like all the stuff that the uncle would have to do in order to right. comply with this right. proposal. Like when he said, okay, yeah, well, we got to, you know, quit growing melons and human shit and, you know, like things right. like this. Right. <laughs> uh, uncle Adolfo would be like, fuck you, you know, like, I'm... I can sell melons all day long to the Mexican market. I don't have to like fancify my thing up just with uh, the hope that I may make right even 20 times more. Right. Like why spend zero money? Why not spend zero money and continue to make a profit? So, right. Yeah. Um, so there was no melon business in the end. It was just a huge adventure in Mexico for me. <laughs> uh, and uh, how much uh, money did you go through? Uh, probably about ten thousand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, in a year. And I, you know, I was tr- constantly trying to get a job, and you know, they'd oh maybe I'll talk to you know. I never yeah. nobody ever hooked me up with a job, and of course I, I didn't have the the courage or the wherewithal to get one myself, you know, like just independently. Right, right, right. And, uh, um, so yeah, I was getting like, okay, I'm, I'm running out of money a bit. I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Um, and I, at that point I was also like, yeah, these guys really don't have any, like, right. It wasn't, Structured, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were getting ready to open a bar at that point. Oh. Like, oh, last thing I need to do is like, and also they liked uh, they uh, some of the the people involved were were at that point at least were uh, distracting themselves with uh, like, well, yeah, they were in their twenties, so yeah. they were like, yeah. yeah, it was like the party was. Hardcore, and yeah. I was like, "All right, yeah, I'm not gonna go that far." Hardcore, like, yeah. you know, that's that's 
and at that point I was I was partying but I think I still had the illusion that I at least had control even if I at that point I probably had art I think you know when I started partying and then of course shortly after um, doing the ecstasy and smoking weed that one night I I started drinking again and, yeah and uh, yeah and uh, I don't think I ever really had the illusion that I didn't didn't have anything to worry about like oh all that you know I didn't really have anything to worry about. Right. But at the same time, I think I still had the idea that I'd be able to, like, maintain some sort of control over it. Yeah. Which yeah. I did to the extent of, like, I'm not going to, like, start partying with these guys because I'll be, like, a bottle a day alcoholic in yeah. no time. <laughs> owning a bar. and ugh, Jesus, yeah. Yeah. Not to mention the uh, cartels. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, moved back, and at this point, I, like, that's when I went all in on the uh, film stuff. Oh, okay. So, I decided, like, I'm going to, I'm going to start trying to establish a career in film, Um, (laughs) you know, and which was my actually the, was the reason for me wanting to go down and make a bunch of money doing the melons is that I thought I'd be able to use that money okay and start doing film gotcha. so uh, the end game on the whole Mexico trip was like oh this is a way I can get into film I can be a producer with money with money exactly yeah. so yeah breaking in as an actor or a writer is too hard but you know, if you've got money, that's all you need. It's, you don't yeah. need talented money. You just need yeah. money. You just need money. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so I came back with that conviction and basically like threw myself into it. I started acting. Every student film like I auditioned for all the student films I auditioned for any little independent thing I tried to get involved in an agency you know get myself represented Um, I started doing networking with some guy who was trying to set up a production company that was kind of a collective sort of thing like just doing whatever I could possibly do and before long people started learning that what kind of training I had and they started giving me scripts to critique so I did a lot of like script notes for people and then got a few like commissioned screenplays so I wrote a couple of screenplays for some guy um you know 1500 bucks a piece but you know Fifteen hundred bucks but, I didn't yeah. have before that. Exactly. So I wrote a couple of scripts, and neither of those have been produced. And uh, but, um, and then got commissioned to write another one. Uh, uh, that they ended up like the production company fell apart before I even uh, 
showed them the script. I wrote it, but <laughs> they had already ran out of money. But they'd already like they were, they were already gone. They're like, okay, well, I'm not going to get paid for this. So this is my script. Yeah, yeah. At least I wrote it. Yeah. You know, there was good motivation to actually sit down and write it. It was an idea that I'd had and I pitched to them. So I was like, so I got the script out of it. Um, anyway, so. Uh, started like throwing myself into that and ended up like you know people started knowing who I was and mm-hmm. listening a bit and um, I got invited down to speak at a film festival down in Beaumont and so I did a presentation with all these like they were a bunch of uh Texans that had transplanted to L.A. and mm. one of them had moved back to Beaumont. Um, Beaumont, south. yeah, south, down, south. yeah, down on the coast. Yes. Um. Uh. And. And this little tiny college. So there's some one of the, one of the expatriates to L.A. had come back to Texas and had started teaching at this college and he'd set up a little film festival so all of his friends could come back and you know right. do this film festival so they'd have basically a paid vacation back home where they could visit their families or you know whatever <laughs> do whatever they wanted to do and then go back to their lives in LA so like I got to meet you know like these a bunch of horror they were a bunch of horror people mm. um uh like the guy who made the reanimator. Oh yeah. 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 Stuart Gordon, like he totally. he was there. Okay. So I met Stuart Gordon. I met, you know, like uh um uh Puppet Master series, you know, all the little Yes. Like I re- met the guy who did all the Puppet Master movies. <laughs> like all these guys I was like hanging around with eating dinner with them. Yeah, that's cool. And, you know, had to had to speak for an hour about trying to break into the film business in Austin. Like that was my presentation, and uh, um, uh, oh yeah, and uh, oh, William. Oh shit! At no, I almost <laughs> said Attenborough. Um, <laughs> William. Uh, the guy who played uh, in Ghostbusters, the the pain in the ass, city, pencil neck, hey pencil neck. Uh, I can't even think of. Hey, hey William, Jesus, I'm I'm a, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I can't remember your last name. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's somebody. will message this show. Yeah, exactly. It's, he's a great character actor, uh, um, and was very kind to have given me a ride to Houston to drop me off at the bus so I didn't have to wait for an extra six hours in Beaumont for a bus. <laughs> <laughs> I was got this ride in a limo from Beaumont to Houston with William... God damn it! Anyway, redheaded guy. Um, yeah, he's been in a million movies. Great guy. Um, anyway, so I also met this guy um, who was a screenwriter. And he'd been in a screenwriting partnership for his whole time in L.A. And he was like the writer and his buddy was the um, was the business guy and he, he collaborated on the writing. So his buddy would get them a deal and, and David and he would write the script for 
for whatever it was, and they've written tons of TV shows, lots and lots of TV shows. Um, you know, Murder, She Wrote, like okay. a bunch of, okay. like... They, he God, that show was on. Yeah. I, I played hockey, you know, roller hockey league in Southern <laughs> California with two guys that were the, on the camera crew for that show for years. Yeah. They used to laugh about it, but they said it's one of the most stable jobs. Hell yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, forever. <laughs> Grab of series, you know, doesn't yeah. matter, like, what yeah. quality it is. You're a crew dude. Like, yeah. whatever. I'm just aiming a camera at something. I'm making sure there's snacks on the table. But I got a job for the next 10 years. Oh, That's they awesome. did. Yeah, I played hockey with them and Alan Parks, the OJ, uh, OJ's limo driver. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and he wrote, his his apex, he wrote a Star, Star Trek Next Generation oh, yeah. episode. Okay. was one of his. And he was a story editor on, the, on uh, Star Trek Next Generation. Oh, wow. Um, so um, I met this guy and you know he's like hey I've got seven scripts you know I hear you do like some script notes and stuff I'd love to hear what you have to say about these you know and hey you know if you'd like to produce so I write his scripts a bunch of horror stuff but there was a kids movie in there. Uh, it's just this lovely kids movie. And I'm like, that's actually a pretty profitable genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and I, over the time that I'd been slugging away on the scene, I'd met this director who I had a whole lot of uh, respect for, and I'd I'd acted in one of his uh, uh, short that he produced. Um, that had been nominated for a student academy award. Oh wow, very nice. So yeah, and he'd actually he got nominated for um, both a narrative and a documentary student academy award in the same year. Like only kid who have ever wow. done that. Yeah. <laughs> like, so this kid's like a, a badass. Yeah. And um, I'm like, of course, if I'm going to produce something, I hope that this this would be the new director that I would choose to be, you know, the breakout thing. So, uh, so yeah, I went ahead and approached this guy and then the three of us made a partnership, uh, to, to, you know, try to get this movie made. And I brought my brother into it and, and we ended up getting some, very encouraging attention very early on by an amazing set of circumstances <laughs> which started with my brother basically dating a real estate agent that took care of properties for uh, people in some capacity I'm not sure I think she leased high-end properties to people or something like that and one of her clients just happened to be the guy who was at that time the um, president of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences so he was producing the show you know he was doing his five-year tenure at that point and um, he'd been you know 
he had been the CEO of Columbia and oh wow Paramount maybe or he'd been uh, yeah he'd been like the head of a couple of studios and what was he about 99 uh, <laughs> when you got a resume that yeah day. yeah no no he's like this that's great relatively like he must have been in his 60s yeah like. wow very accomplished so yeah yeah so we got a meeting with him oh wow to make this movie and I started into talking to him about um like they were like basically he was willing to get us a distribution deal and I wanted to, to be able to use that to get financing and he was going to let us do that at least this of course by the time you know what what actually happened is we got that close to fame and we all became mentally unstable yeah like yeah. every one of us just so we blew the deal we blew the deal collectively like i i did shit everybody did stuff yeah, yeah. so we completely screwed this like like the opportunity of a lifetime seriously he'd just done a movie that had you know, they did for three million and had gotten all sorts of critical acclaim and had gotten an Oscar nod and oh, it, wow. had, it had been like like it was one of the first Starbucks, like when Starbucks started yep. selling media, like it was one of the first things oh, okay. that was marketed through the whole Starbucks yep. thing, so they'd gotten like they'd made their money back a ton of times on this little independent project and so like they were like hey this might be our next thing yeah oh that's a nice gun <laughs> <laughs> you know like i yep. shot myself and everybody else around me and we all like we were full of bullet holes so like blew that opportunity and but still i i tried to make that movie for another five years after that like, <laughs> like see this horse isn't dead just this horse isn't what dead. do you mean pitching it to per, uh, everybody everybody yeah. everybody like you know, yeah so i i tried to keep that thing alive and and basically wore myself out again trying yeah. to do something that i had no business doing because i decided that i this was the thing and because I knew and you know like and here was you know my opportunity and I'd been able to do this with it and yeah. so that I should be able to do it again and <sighs> so and I you know wasn't going to devote myself to any other projects I completely like cut myself off from any other opportunities and uh and after I'd just finally gotten to worn myself down to the point where I realized that, you know, like no one was taking me seriously, including the people that I was, that, you know, the people who were still involved with the project from the beginning were basically just taking advantage of the fact that yeah. I was nuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's see how far this bunny will... <laughs> will drag us, you know. Yeah. See if we can keep getting, you know, little bits of money or any opportunity out of it. But uh, um, 
so finally, after all of that work and stuff, I led another project in, and it was this uh, good friend of mine that I'd met over the course of uh, networking and stuff. It was this actress named Indigo Rael, uh, who'd come up with this alter ego, a character uh, called <coughs> Polyester Mermaid. And Polyester Mermaids uh, hatched in the middle of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch during a nuclear explosion. And uh, by virtue of the radiation and her mermaid status, she was uh, granted the power to transform plastic into anything she wants and to animate it. So since she's living in this like wasteland vortex where she can't swim out and you know life can't exist, she has made herself an entire um, a whole circle of friends out of the garbage around her and that's who she interacts with and of course they all love her and and everything, but uh, she learns through by chance that she is actually connected to this larger family of mermaids and, and sea creatures, and that she's been actually banished to this um, uh, vortex because she's toxic and like she's radioactive and garbage, and you know, her family doesn't want her, right. So being completely abandoned and 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 uh, and confused because of course plastic and f as far as she knows is wonderful you know this right. wonderful thing and her friends are all plastic she's plastic like her world's plastic like but her family is upset that people are throwing plastic into the ocean she learns so she's like okay well how can I solve this like I want to connect with my family. And in order to connect with my family, I need to somehow convince these land people to quit throwing plastic into the ocean. And I have to figure out why they would do this. Why, why they've been giving me all this plastic anyway. So I got excited about this character, which is just delightful. Um, and... Uh, so I got a grant from the city, and I, you know, gathered up some money together, and I shot a test pilot, so that she, you know, something that she could use to to try and get other funding or get other um, uh, other producers and stuff and, and interested in what she's doing. Um, and just uh, like just finished doing this this uh, short I just finished shooting it um, and like I had literally I'd, I'd gotten laid off from a job uh, I was working in this greenhouse <clears throat> beautiful like um, wholesale greenhouse and we sold tropical plants to to people who do interior scaping and, okay and, you yeah. Know, like, yeah yeah so uh, and okay. also like yeah florists and yeah. you know a few department stores and stuff but you know sat there and like beautiful tropical plants that I 
just tended all day. It was a great job. But I gotten laid off from that job, and you know, it was under um, good terms. So they, you know, they gave me unemployment and everything. And mm-hmm. I'd been working there for five years, and it's like, okay, I'm going to take this opportunity. I'm going to unemployment. You know, I've gotten this grant money. Yeah. Gonna make this, just throw myself into making this thing. I had, had my credit was good, so I was I was gonna go all in once again, like like always. <laughs> yeah. And, I know. And uh, yeah. And so I just got every credit card they would give me, and mm-hmm. I ran every single one of them as far as I they'd let me. You know, renting equipment, oh, yeah. doing you know buying stuff to make. Uh, to, uh, make costumes and you know whatever and and uh, uh, so yeah I ran up a bunch of credit cards and uh, at the end of this experience basically uh, right after uh, <laughs> we're basically at the point where I'm like okay yeah I gotta find a job again <laughs> like Ooh, yeah all right all right I gotta <laughs> come back up from this reality uh, um, Obamacare had um, passed so ACA had passed uh, and for the first time and forever uh, I had the opportunity and the safety to go ahead and get um, a prostate problem that I had been persistent uh for a good bit of time and had been worrying me because I have a very, very, very thorough history of prostate cancer. Pretty much every uncle, oh, wow. my brother, okay. my dad, everybody, everybody male in my family has had prostate cancer. Well, they say every male will have it. Yeah, eventually. If we lived and something else didn't kill us. Yeah, exactly. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's it's just something that males get. Yeah, but yeah, more dominant in some families, definitely. Exactly. Yep. Two, three, four, one, two, three.